Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies in their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share a deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together we host the Pint O' Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So Join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Uh, that's a raccoon, yo. What, what are you doing? <laughs> Feeding the raccoon. It's a trash panda. <laughs> <laughs> when the three burglars thing happens. Oh, so- <laughs> and they're all saying the same line. Yes. <laughs> no, notice, Jeb, that when they put their hats on, I'm not going to be able to see facial expressions. So that's on you, man. That's on you. Okay. <laughs> Camera rolling. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Can I get an interview about uh, Betsy's wedding? No. Anything but that. Anything get lost. That? Anything but that. Get my hat. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it, but we always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on YouTube, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. How you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing yeah, all right. Yeah. 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 Sweet. Season 11 coming to an end. Well, we're out. We're on the home stretch. As, as, as they say. As Was they this the penultimate episode? No, this is episode 11, I believe. Ooh. Yes. No, this is not the penultimate, as they say. That is next week. <laughs> this week, we are doing a Dark comedy from 1986. We're going way back, almost 30, yeah, a little over 30 years, 30, almost 30, 35 years. 35 ago. years. Oof, don't you feel old? Yep. So we're, <laughs> we're doing Ruthless People. Sam Stone hates his wife, Barbara. Whoops, hang on. Sam Stone hates his wife, Barbara, so much that he wants her dead. He's ecstatic when she's taken by a duo of kidnappers who want 500000 in ransom in exchange for her life fully intending to ignore every one of the kidnappers' demands in the hopes that they do him a favor and murder her for him, the two confused kidnappers, Helen, oh, excuse me, played by Judge Reinhold and Helen Slater, have to figure out how they're going to get their money and what they're going to do with the overbearing Barbara. Yeah, that was all right. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, like I said, it's called Ruthless People. It has a runtime of 93 minutes. It's rated R. Production budget of $13 million. It came out on a Friday, June 27th, 1986. So a week before July 4th, big holiday, big summer release. Opening weekend, it did $5.2 million. And he uh, care to guess what it did total, Butler? 
It did it. Uh, you already know seventy something million. I already know. Yeah. I you didn't know seventy one point six million. So it's a massive, massive hit when you compare it to the budget. <laughs> Production company was Touchstone Pictures and Silver Screen Partners too, and distributed by Buena Vista Distribution. I believe Touchstone Pictures came into existence like within this past year. I right? believe the year before that, the, right? The first in order because of Disney wanted to release more adult oriented content, and that's why you got Touchstone Pictures. Question for you: Do you know how long this lasted in theaters? Because if it only made five million, it must have lasted a while to get up to seventy-one. Hmm. Well, let me have that answer for you, brother. No, oh, right. So it came out on the twenty-seventh. It mm-hmm. came out. It actually came out in fourth. Then the following two weeks, it was second place. So it took second on the on the July fourth weekend. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen weeks up until. I mean, I guess you can count five hundred and fifty-seven theaters. Oh, you know what? I'm not gonna. Oh, wow. Ah, I'm trying. I'm like, can you count that? Yes, you can, because <laughs> it made over four hundred thousand dollars that that set last weekend. So, all the way to October, the weekend of October seventeenth. Wow. So yeah. So that was a long run. This is when movies lasted. Then, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what did it come up against on its opening weekend on the 27th? Uh, the Billy Crystal, Gregory Hines comedy, action comedy, Running Scared, Labyrinth uh, with David Bowie, right? David Bowie's in yes. there? Yeah. And American Anthem, which I never saw. Me uh, The week after, which is July 4th. So check out this slate of July 4th films. Psycho 3, <laughs> The Great Mouse Detective. So there's the kids movie. Big Trouble in Little China, which I did not know was a was a July Fourth release. Well, I figured they wouldn't have even had hopes for it at all. I just didn't. I okay. I would expect. Yeah, I would expect that would have been like a either in August. the fall or in the winter or spring. Yeah, uh, Under the Cherry Moon, and then About Last Night. So those. So you had five movies that opened wide on the Fourth of July weekend. What's Under the Cherry Moon? Under the Cherry Moon the only one I don't is know. with. If I'm, let me look it up because I don't know exactly. Under the chair. Oh, Under the Cherry Moon is the Prince film. It's about con artists who um, they kidnap an heiress or something like that. And then like things get out of control or something. Or someone falls in love with them. I think Prince is the one that falls in love with them. He actually directed that. Oh. So yeah. So right. that, that, that was the Prince film. And Chris and Scott Thomas is in it too. But yeah. So, but I don't think that did. I don't even, I don't even think that did well at all. Uh, let's see that box office. Yeah. It came out 11th that first weekend. So yeah, no, it was not a, it was not a good time for Under the Cherry Moon. But that was, yeah, that was a Prince film. Uh, you also had the week before this, so the twentieth of June, you had the Karate Kid two. I mean, I like that movie. Mm-hmm. And you had the uh, you had Legal Eagles, and that is with Robert Redford, I believe. It's yes. Karate Kid Part Two. It says Karate Kid Two, Butler. <laughs> All right, it says Karate Kid Two. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the first film that for us that is directed by three different people. Three people. I saw that. I mean, the, uh, so it's directed by Jim Abrahams, uh, David Zucker. And Jerry Zucker. Now these are the guys that are responsible for like airplane, like all that. So I don't think yep. I don't believe they directed airplane. And I think that was Pat Proft. I'm not sure. But they also did Top Secret. Uh Jim. So I I got their individual credits in terms of what they directed. Abraham's directed Big Business, which is the follow, which is actually in two years from after this one in '88. And that also stars Bette Midler. Uh, and he also did Welcome Home, Roxy Carmichael. Zuck, David Zucker did Naked Gun One and Two and a Half. He did basketball and he did scary movie three and four. And then Jerry Zucker did ghost first night and rat race. Um, I will say that in this movie, my note for this film is that Jerry Zucker would be on the set 
talking to the actors. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. And David Zucker and Jim Abraham would watch from monitors and give comments. So are they like too shy? They're just like, you go ahead. Uh, maybe they just wanted one voice in terms of with the actors, but I mean, that makes sense. You know, it's, it's also really weird that you're listing like airplane top secret police squad. He also directed ghost. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, that a- the biggest note for me for, was Jerry Zucker that he directed the ghost. I was like, really? Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that kind of surprised me. That's kind of like when Wes Craven did, uh, was it Violins or the Red Violin or 99 Violins or something like that. The the He did the one with Madonna when she was like the music teacher in the city. Like it okay. was like a complete departure. You're just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, like John Carpenter with Starman, we said it was a departure, but that's still kind of in his wheelhouse. Yeah. This is just like poof, yeah. completely different. Uh, written Which, by, what's up? Which is cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. Written by Dale Lawner, uh, who's written Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I haven't seen that in a while. I kind of want to go back to that. My Cousin Vinny and Love Potion number nine. Cinematography by Jan de Bont. Uh, you may know him, obviously, from uh, such films that he directed, like Speed 2 Cruise Control <laughs> uh, and Twister. But he, he was... Ju- I just edited an episode where he was the cinematographer. Nice. He is the cinematographer of the movies Hunt for October, Flatliners, and I did not know he uh, did Cujo. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, composed by Michel Colombier, who passed away in 2004. He did... Against All Odds, a movie we did, New Jack City, uh, How Stella Got Her Groove Back and Swept Away, edited by uh, Jib Jaffe, who did They Live, Rambo F- uh, First Blood Part 2. Well, I, I mistyped that. I said Rambo Feast Blood Part 2. It's <laughs> interesting. I don't know. Maybe I want to see that one. Arthur, uh, he also was also edited by Arthur Schmidt, who has won two Oscars, one for Forrest Gump and the other for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, both for editing, and then produced by Michael Pazer, who's produced, amongst other things, Hackers. <laughs> I love Hackers. Speed 2 Cruise Control, Matilda. I love Hackers because I really love the line when they all freak out over the uh, 56K uh, modem. Oh, you got the new 28.856K. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah, exactly. And they're all like, oh my God, look, it's so fast. <laughs> all right, hey, so you download this JPEG in under <laughs> five minutes. You got Danny DeVito as Sam Stone. Uh, obviously, he's from One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Most of our audience probably knows him from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, <laughs> which Ope starts uh, December, started December 1st, for those who didn't know. And then he's also in Tin Men. Bette Midler as Barbara Stone, his wife. She's in Hocus Pocus. She's also in Beaches. She's been nominated for two Oscars for For the Boys and The Rose. Judge Reinhold as Ken Kessler. He's one of the uh, hostage, uh, excuse me, the kidnappers, as I said. He's in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Beverly Hills Cop, and Santa Claus, or The Santa Claus. Helen Slater as Sandy Kessler. She's in Supergirl. She had quite a year in 86 because she's also in The Secret of My Success, which is an episode we did. Yep. And she's in City Slickers. Anita Morris plays Carol. She is an 18 again in Radio Land Murders. My note for her is that she is the mother of James Badge Dale. Yeah, I didn't know that till I was looking her up uh, last night. And unfortunately, she passed away in 1994 from ovarian cancer, which he was two when he was just two. Which is awful. Which is just which is horrible. But anyways, Bill Pullman as Earl. He is an ID four, obviously. The Last Seduction, which is an episode we did, and I guess I was looking for something more recent from Bill Pullman. He is on the TV show The Sinner, wherever that may be. It's okay. You seen it? Uh, It's on Netflix. You watched it? I've watched one episode. Uh, then how do you know it's okay? Because he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we had William G. Schilling as the police commissioner. He doesn't get a name. He's in In the Line of Fire, and he's also in The Best of Times, an episode we saw. I believe he was one of the Moose Lodge guys in The Best of Times. Okay. And then you have the two cops. The only reason I'm going to give you the two cops is because one of them was in Die Hard 2, and then when he came on the screen, he was like, Die Hard 2! And that's Art Evans as Lieutenant Bender. He's also in the 1985 Fright Night. 
in Trespass. And then Clarence Felder, who plays Lieutenant Walters. He's in The Last Boy Scout and After Hours. And then you had a couple people in here that you might have recognized. And I'm not going to go. Th- yeah, J.E. Freeman as the bedroom killer. You might know. I know him from Alien Resurrection as the guy who runs the ship. Yep. yep. And then Gary Riley as the heavy metal kid who's looking to buy the speakers. And he's the kid in summer school. I always remember that. And then Phil Hartman's got a credit in here, but you didn't, I don't, I didn't go back to listen. He's the newscaster when they're talking about the second time when they talk about. Okay. Because I was like, that is absolutely Phil Hartman's voice. It's uncredited. So this is like after the fact, I guess. Clarence Felder is also in The Mask. He's, he's in The Mask? Yeah. I didn't, okay. I know he looked familiar. So so I was like, oh, that's because it's the, uh, the uh, main detective's partner who actually kind of thinks The Mask is funny. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So I had. I never saw this movie complete. I've seen up most of this movie. Oh, no, really? no, no. I've seen, I've seen this movie, but I've, I've seen like maybe the ending a bunch of times. I've seen, I've seen when she's been, when Bedmother was downstairs, like in the basement, like when she was kidnapped, I saw that stuff a lot. I never really saw the opening too much. So I don't remember a lot of the opening. I didn't remember the stuff with the video when he's videotaping the, the, the people having sex. Oh, that's, uh, I didn't remember that. <laughs> Um, I didn't remember that they kept going back to the tape. <laughs> so like stuff like that, like there's a lot of stuff I didn't remember, but I did remember like the stuff I, I was like, oh, okay, I know that. Cause I always knew the ending. I always knew the ending of them on the beach or she kicks them off the pier, like right. all that stuff. I knew all about that stuff. I just never kind of watched it in one sitting. Okay. So yeah. So my biggest note from this movie is that if you didn't know it was from the eighties, uh, it's so eighties. The title sequence alone <laughs> will tell you that it's from the eighties. Uh, that's my first note. <laughs> so I, I think we both put that in our story independently. Yeah. Put that in our stories when we watched it. Is how eighties it is. I, I love the t- the title sequence is amazing. I love uh, Danny DeVito's character Sam uh, Stone's house. Oh, the whole the house it's so eighties. I guess so it's the, called Memphis style. Well, no, no, no. The 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 that's the decor of the mansion or the house was from the it's from the Memphis, Memphis group, group or Memphis Milano, which is an Italian design and architecture group that was funded by uh, Itero Sotas. So I, I come with the facts, Butler. So yeah, so that but the, the the Memphis group or Memphis Milano was only around from 1980 to 87, and so, yet like that's what everybody knows about the 80s. Yeah, well, but it's 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 like I always my. When we talk about movies that uh, are TV shows and movies that are now and they kind of mind that nostalgia for you. Right. And they, and so like, like stranger things uh, probably is the biggest example and they shove everything from the eighties into one location. And you're just like, that never happens. Like no, no one, no one had everything. This house almost had everything. Oh yeah. This house is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and they're putting and like each time you see him, they're putting him in a different weird chair. <laughs> His, I love the outdoor, the red outdoor chair made of the blocks. Yeah. Oh, so cool. And knowing that, knowing that the guys that are behind, that are directing this are responsible for like airplane and uh, like all like those type movies. Stuff, yeah. yeah. Like I already know, like, you know, that that's deliberate, like her fashion, like the, um, uh, what's her face? Sandy's fa- Sandy's like, you know, how she's like a fashionista. She develops her own clothes. Her clothes are hideous, but you know that that's on purpose. <laughs> Oh yeah, to make fun of eighty style, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, so like the whole thing, like what was pure, um, I guess airplane esque, if you will, was when Earl and Carol are in bed together. And he's got the black and Decker, and he pulls it up, and she's like, "Ooh, and oh yeah." And he pulls it up, and just like, I mean, like that's that's out of like the the what is the uh, what is the thing they get in. Um, when he's in the top secret prison and he gets that huge like sex device thing. Oh, I haven't seen and top he, secret. You've in a long time. Oh my God. But like, it's like that, it's like straight out of that. And I was like, okay, I, like that's <laughs> like, that's funny because you, you take these guys that do a certain style of comedy and you try to have them do 
something that's a little bit toes the line, but not really. It's really just they like still a sh- kind of add their stuff yeah, in there. Yeah, it's it's it because I already I already have the list of the fake credits that they had at the end of the movie, which we can get into later. Because I already knew that was coming. I'm like, okay, here are the credits. I gotta watch these. So I'm pausing <laughs> the credits and writing them down. But yeah, absolutely. Because like the things that reminded me of Airplane, which even before I looked up that they were directors, were like the um when Reinhold's character uh, Ken when he's trying to get out the window because they he thinks the cops have caught him mm-hmm. and they walk by and they're just talking they don't notice he's dangling out the window oh, or at right. the end when Bette Midler's about to kick uh, DeVito into the water at the beach yeah, the, and they're the, just the walking we're going oh, yeah. it's good to, good to have a strong relationship yeah. absolutely yeah, <laughs> they're just beating each other up in the or, background or when they go to the house and he's, he's sitting outside Samson sitting outside behind him you see the police officers playing tennis in there oh, right? yep. <laughs> and it's all stuff like that uh, or when the cop bends down and he, and he licks up the wet oh, spot the, and she it's says a dog piece. pees it where like no it's sweeter she's diabetic <laughs> <laughs> Because there's are, there's are there are some things that in this movie it's a, like a, we always do this with comedies you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt but there are I'm, I'm curious if you the in terms of the performances like I think I, I like I like Danny DeVito a lot in this film he's completely you know vile oh absolutely uh, and none of these people are good people <laughs> even like Beth, even the Sharon even Bette Miller's character Sharon Sharon right Barbara Barbara excuse me even Barbara is not really great because you know they they you know, she only really kind of softens to the, to the um, kidnappers because she lost 20 pounds. She lost 20 pounds. Yeah. 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 So like, even that, like, even like when she finds out that, Oh, he'll pay, like they're all friends now. And she's like, Oh, the, he'll pay. How much is it? And she keeps telling like, no, no, we offered 50 and they didn't watch it. And then she's like, I'm being marked down. I've been kidnapped by Kmart. Yeah. Like stuff like that. <laughs> Was there something that maybe in terms of performances that you weren't a big fan of? I I think this movie's fantastic. I think performance-wise, everybody's pretty much on point. Mm-hmm. The only my only issue with the movie, I think, is the bedroom killer. I, I think he kind of I know they hint at him throughout the movie. Yeah. But I think he's just there as a plot device, as a Deus Ex Machina. Oh, he, he's there so the that end. they can get away from it. Yeah. yeah get away I think it, they yeah. could have maybe found something a little bit more clever. Right, but do they but, need to? This is not that type of movie. No, I mean yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Like again, I, I really like this movie. Um I don't know. I don't know if I'm a huge Judge Reinhold guy in this movie. Like, I don't. I don't know. Well, Judge yeah. Reinhold's weird because he's a, he's got a weird career. He came Fast Times Original Time High came out, and if that's like now, like everybody from that movie is like set up to be like a sex symbol or like ooh teen throb that kind of thing. But like, I never get that feel from Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold, he's the everyman. He's he's the every guy. Yeah, and he blew up in the '80s, and then he was hard to work with. And is that what it was? Yeah. Like, is that what it is? He started making, he even admits it. He says it in interviews now. What? Tell me, because I don't know. So I guess when I was looking up his career, because I was like, what happened to him? <laughs> he even says, you know, he blew up in the 80s. And then he's like, I got a reputation for being hard to work with. And rightfully so. I started making demands on set. Uh, and, and Really? Yeah. And just being an absolute like pain to work with. And it got around and he's and rightfully so. And so it took a while for me to get any kind of goodwill back and start working again. Well, that's good that he admitted that he was a jerk off. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I you know, was that when, was like his goodwill tour started when he did the Santa Claus? Started, no, it started in well, Ridgemont High and ended uh, a couple years after this movie. It ended in like 89. That that was his. And that's it. He that's stopped he working. Up. After that, he stopped working because they were like, you know what? 
we're good. But when did he do the Santa Claus? That was that's afterward. That's when he kind of came. That's what I'm saying. Oh, when his that, comeback. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That was kind of his comeback. Yeah. Okay. And ever since then, he's been on TV shows and guest appearances. All in the '90s, he was nominated um, for his episode of Seinfeld as a close talker. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so With this ring, this ring, I kind of got there. <laughs> he's done. He's done stuff. Did stuff in between, but it was all smaller stuff like that. Yeah, he's movie, on TV yeah, now. Yeah, because he was hard to work with, and that was his reputation. That's so. too bad. Hmm. Interesting. It's cool that, he, yeah, but like you said, it's cool that he admits it, and like he knows. Oh, sure. Where he went wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, you well, probably, some actors just never get that way. He does have a funny line in this movie. Well, like who? <laughs> he does have a funny line in this movie when they're like trying to figure out. You know, when he gets picks up the day long legs and he's like, let's be assholes and get rich. And he steps on him. Yep. He's not wrong. Be, assholes really do just get what they want yep. because, because nobody really fights them. I just love that scene where he's like saving the daddy long legs all delicate. Though. Yeah. <laughs> be ruthless. And then he reopens the door when he realizes what he did. <laughs> did you like Bill Pullman in this movie? It's his first film. I love Bill Pullman in okay. this movie. I think he's great. He's so dumb. He's so... These again, this is like that's another like airplane esque kind of character, mm -hmm. but he's got some great lines. He's like his entire scene where he's watching the uh, what turns out to be the police chief right. having sex with the uh, prostitute in the car, and he just thinks it's a murder. Oh, god, oh, he's getting off in it. I can't watch, and he just turns away, yeah, and he just starts throwing up. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think that's amazing. His the shot of him. So, there's one shot when they pull up, when the car pulls up, and he's getting ready to record, and it's Bill Pullman and his bleached hair. And he's, he's in the bushes and he's got his video camera and he's got the backdrop Sunset of LA behind, behind him. Oh, yeah. If that's not a poster for 80s Hollywood, I don't know what is. Like, that should be on a poster. It was like 1980s Hollywood. That's, I have that. I Come love, visit. That's a great shot. It is. It's a, and it's, Which it's, fits his character because his character is also really like Miami Vice right. kind of steeped in And like that. everybody that's laughing at that, I bet you like 85% of the audience in Hollywood is like those those people. Like those people with the crappy camera in the bushes filming something. Yep. And like, popped collar on his uh, yeah. blazer oh, for completely Hollywood. 1980s Hollywood. I love that his bleached hair is kind of grown out. So he's got like that half inch of uh regular brown hair going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. When he when his fish die and he's in his trailer, ah, oh, crocodile in tubs. No, well, that's how he's dressed. He's yeah, throwing him in absolutely. the sink. I like how the bedroom killer is supposed to be evil because his shirt's untucked. Like everybody else's shirt's Shirt tucked in. Just, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so this. So I, I a couple notes here uh, about the inspiration for this film, which, you know, I guess was refuted, refuted, but this movie shares similarities with O. Henry's short story, The Ransom of Red Chief, which is about two con men who kidnap a 10 year old kid from a widowed businessman who like who refuses to pay the ransom because he's happy to, his son is unruly and he's happy to have him gone. Right. And then they, the con men return him. Now the writer, uh, Lawner said that, He's read O. Henry before and when he was younger, but he didn't specifically pull from it, but he might have subconsciously. Right. Uh, so that's one thing. And then I this plot also is very similar to the British movie, an older film called Too Many Crooks. That it's the same kind of plot thing. But he says it's based on a real life kid. He was inspired by a real life. He was inspired kidnapping. by the Patty Hearst kidnapping, which everyone was inspired by the Patty Hearst kidnapping because it was <laughs> such a big deal. But yeah, no. So it's maybe it's probably a mix of everything, you know, sure. there's a kind of the idea, like ideas float around, you get, you catch them, you don't know where you get them. And then you write them down and you're just like, Oh, that's like this. Oh, everything's crap. a conflation of a right. bunch of different stories put together. Right. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Bette Midler and Danny DeVito didn't think this film was going to do well. I saw that. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. They congratulated each other for a job well done and then called each other 20 minutes later or something. And they were crying and bemoaning over the phone how their career was over. Like the, the movie was terrible. They weren't going to ever work again. Well, they're actors. They're probably just self-conscious. This is Bette Midler. She's like hot at this uh, point, right? This is Bette right when she does like the 
which we call it the wind beneath my wing stuff and all beaches. that. Beaches. Yeah, beaches. I don't know if this was Danny DeVito's. Be- beaches. Danny I think DeVito Beaches already. is eighty six. Yeah. So, but yeah, but if she doesn't be- have enough goodwill to survive this movie, even if it. Yeah, but she's been doing. She already was nominated for two Oscars for the for the boys and the Rose. I think the Rose was yeah. before this. Maybe been after. Her career was gonna be fine. Well, she was, <laughs> yeah, but you know, you get you you panic. You right. Get, you yeah. Get worried. You I mean, know? DeVito going from TV to movies. Yeah. That's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, DeVito's had quite the career. David DeVito's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, his opening, Danny DeVito's opening, and I guess you can say it's a monologue because he, he Carol really doesn't interrupt him too much. Sam's opening monologue, oh, right? yeah. he's just talking about how he can't stand his wife, how he married his wife because her father was rich and her father w- wouldn't die. And he was near, he was on she his thought the doctor, bed. yeah, the father was so, yeah, die. so he married her because she was on, he was on his deathbed and it took 15 years, but he just screwed it and said, I'm going to go make my own, my own, uh, his own money, his own money, which you find out was actually him stealing sandy yeah idea. which i didn't like that that plot point in terms of so sandy designed the uh what is it called the spandex miniskirt spandex mini, miniskirt yep or the mini spandex whatever it is um she designed it they went into his office and i guess then you never see this this is what you get in dialogue and then he um he stole it from him it was a handshake fa- an old founder's handshake agreement. yeah like if you re- listen to our the founder episode you know how they had a they had a handshake agreement for one percent of the company which was kind of bogus i guess was made up they think but like you know between ray Kroc and and the uh, mcdonald's brothers so yeah it's like that yeah you know they had a handshake agreement and and then he kind of like screwed them over and took their money and they, whatever but that's that that really plot point that uh, plot point that uh, backstory really only serves the purpose of why they kidnapped her. It never really kind of goes into let's get your money back. They I mean they get it back at him, right? But it's really just it's really more making Sam broke or getting his money is really just Barbara's doing. She wants to cripple him in terms. Oh of, yeah, they just yeah. want what they're owed. Sandy right. and Ken. Yeah. yeah. Then Barbara's like, take him for all these yeah. castrate him. All her ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it really just you know. It only the the idea that he stole their idea, he stole their product, was only to serve the purpose of why did they kidnap? Oh product? yeah, well you yeah. need a reason. No, no, I I understand. It just didn't really play into anything else. Right? Yeah. Did you like? Uh, one of my notes is the the eighties forensic of. The book of tire treads. Well, how lucky he is to flip to the just the right page. Well, I mean, it's just, can you imagine like back then you're just, okay, we got tire treads. All right, let me check my big book yeah. of tire treads. Choot, choot. Got you a box of coffee and uh, here's your job today. <laughs> magnifying glass. Oh my God. I know. But also like, I don't know, that's pretty circumstantial evidence when they go to Canada. Go, you, sir, you have the exact same car. <laughs> is he the only one with that kind of car in, uh, in all of Los well, Angeles. It's, well, it's, again, you can't really, uh, you can't hold a comedy or a dark comedy like this really to the fire like you would hold a drama. Oh, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. You can't really, really, you know, do that. Uh, obviously, that's some stuff. All right. So, what else? I guess. May, give me something else. Maybe that I'm I'm missing or I didn't bring up or something. Well, I just love the way that they introduce, like you brought up with the veto. Mm-hmm. I think they introduce characters in a way that I think is is organic. That lets you know their character pretty much right away within a few lines of dialogue that I think not just comedies, but almost every movie should do. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they do a great job at within the 30 seconds to a minute. You know what this character is. You know their motivation. You know why they're here. Mm-hmm. You don't like you're dealing with three sets of 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 two characters. You're dealing with Sam Stone and Barbara Stone. You're dealing with Sandy and Ken. And you're dealing with Carol and Earl. Mm-hmm. So you've got six characters. You need to really get to know them really quickly and get to know them well. And I think this movie does, 
you know, I just watched a movie that has too many characters and they don't do as good a job. What's that called? Uh, it's called, uh, 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 it's called something. You can't say it. <laughs> it's the Eternals. It's the Eternals. <laughs> you introduce, you, you have too many, if you have a lot of characters and you have a small amount of time to introduce them, you know, mm. this is not Game of Thrones. You don't have a full season to introduce 12 characters. This movie, I think, is a, is a great example on how to write a character, like write in characters where you understand who they are, what their motivation and what their personality is within, you know, just a few lines of dialogue. Oh, yeah. I think we talk a lot about on the podcast about how it's, it's you know, sometimes a, like a simple story. Like, again, I'm going to go back to the founder. I think one of my quotes in the founder episode was that it's a simple story or maybe not the founder. Oh, Ghost in the Darkness episode. That's right, right. Yeah. I said it's a simple story. And that's not a knock. It's because it's you're telling you're just telling one story. Yep. You can have supporting stories and subplots, but they all need to factor into the one story. So when that's done correctly, it produces a strong movie. It produces a strong overall story. When you try to add major plots and try to hide them as subplots, the audience is, is smart enough to realize that something's not right. Something doesn't feel right. Right. Because we're all told. One of the great things about being a human being is that we all told stories. We all know how to tell story. When you tell a joke, you're telling a story. So you know how a good story is told and you know how a good story is not told. So, you know, it's, uh, or excuse me, uh, a not so good story is told. So you understand that. So, mm-hmm. It, it's inherent. So you, when you watch a movie, it's like, I don't know why it doesn't work. It's probably because it failed you story-wise. And to your point about Ruthless People, I agree with you. It does have a main theme, a main thread that you're following. Uh, and and there's different things that are offshooting of it, but it all right. focuses on one thing. And you know your characters right away. You right. know who they are. Like, I don't get, I might not remember their names because I'm <laughs> terrible with names, nice. but I know each and every character and I know what they're like and I know how mm-hmm. they react to the situation. So you just experience the story after that. Well, I, also, I don't have to learn about like Danny DeVito's like Samson's backstory halfway through the movie. Like you find I, that I out right beginning. away. Yeah. You find out what he, he's not a good person. You know, Barbara Stone is really kind of miserable. You, you understand why Samson's kind of like that five minutes into meeting her as well. Well, there's only, there's, there, I mean, I know I went through a list of like nine or 10 characters, but there's really just six main characters. So six characters, two yeah. men. But like, uh, let me ask you this. Do, could you, do, can you make a case or I can make a case that, None of the main six characters are good people. Oh, wait, they're all ruthless people. Right. Yeah. Well, they're yeah, yeah. They're just varying degrees. Like Ken and Sandy still kidnapped a woman. Yes. And still and still stole money. Stole money. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And they were let's be assholes and get rich, which they did. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Obviously, Carol and Earl were going to just let Barbara get murdered, and it wasn't. <laughs> they didn't send the video to the cops until which was clearly the wrong video. Until after well, Carol thought she was, they never go. had the video. Yeah, yeah. Until Carol thought, oh, I'm gonna get strangled next. Do you think that that plot device of no one ever watches the video, like they never watched the video? Do you think that went on too long? Um, maybe a little bit, right? But I think it still worked because you get the great lines of dialogue between Carol and the police chief. Everybody does it. Listen. Yeah. Just a man. Men have urges. <laughs> You're sick. Well, when they show it in the, when they show it, they watch it in the video so store. The you hear the line, that's my husband. <laughs> and then when uh, Sam Stone's going to get all his money out of the bank for the box, you see the police chief's there getting his passport. Yeah, he's everything, getting, getting ready to leave. Yeah. yeah. Come on, lady. It's just, it's no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> So for those people who are not familiar with, like, again, the, the Zucker brothers or Abrahams or even Pat Prof movies like Naked Gun and Airplane. You have to watch the credits because the credits are always bogus. There's always, there's real credits in there, but it mixed within the credits are fake credits. fake credits like greens and fairways. 
like in this one, like Greens was <laughs> Ruben and Dredd and Fairways was Rich Markey. Like, like they have best boy, best grip, best pitcher, Dwight Gooden. For those who are New York Mets fans out there, utility man, utility infielder, Felix Mantilla. Like, like that's what I'm talking about. Like, just you have to stay for the credits because the credits are always funny. And they're probably the reason that IMDb has a crazy credit section. I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> they probably forced them to do it because a lot of people do try to copy that. Yeah. Um, but like, it's always like a staple of those films when you're just sitting there making the credits. Hey, have some fun. <laughs> Uh, so I guess, I guess we can say this, we might've said this before in terms of like the, uh, an eighties staple or something that was always in the eighties, maybe bled into the nineties. I don't know how long it goes back or goes forward, but the title song is always, always a song that's with the title. Oh yeah. And did you know who sang it? Uh, this was uh, Mick Jagger, right? Yeah. yeah. Written by Mick Jagger, Daryl Hall and somebody else. I wouldn't like, have yeah. figured it was, it didn't really sound like Mick Jagger. It was just like the first thing on IMDb that shows it. Yeah. But I was like, all right. But it's just like ruthless people. I'm like, is this like the secret of my success had that yeah. too? It's it's just so 80s. Yeah. Like it's so it's probably probably around like 92, 93 is I think early 90s is when it kind of petered out. But thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I, I might not have liked it in the 80s or we might be talking about like that as a trope that like we hate in, like in the 2010s or 20s now. Yeah. But looking back on it, like it's so nostalgically awesome that I'm just like, oh, yeah, so 80s. But like, I know that like the James Bond films do that, obviously, but that's more tradition. Like they announce who's going to sing it. They announce Oh, it's what, a big know, deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. So I get that. So, so, but also I mean, these, it's, these are more like commercial, like glorified jingles. Some of uh, these. <laughs> but like, Hey, we're doing this movie with those people. Mick, can you think you can write something up? It's like how like pay, like uh, how uninspiring is that? Like, you uh, know what I mean, how do you have to get was, yourself up for that? He was paid by Disney. I'm sure he oh, was. Uh, I'm sure he got I himself it. up. I'm for sure that. it was a nice fat paycheck. <laughs> I, I, I get that. Money is what inspires him. Field, come on. <sighs> Let's see. What what can I write for but ruthless people? Ruthless people. <laughs> but there's such prestige around the James Bond move. The the Bond oh, yeah, songs. Like everybody for like wants people, them. Yeah. Like people want to do them. They petition to do them. Yeah. Uh, and then when they do bad ones, it's like you know they don't want to hear that. But. <laughs> <laughs> So do you think that this film, I'm not getting into why you think it's forgotten, but I'm, I'm curious, Dick, do you think this film maybe is one of those films that audiences now who don't, who maybe didn't grow up back then, younger audiences could really kind of like this film? Do you think that this, this film has enough in it where it would attract somebody who's younger than us, obviously would be interested in seeing it? I think so. Cause they're all such terrible, terrible asshole people. I think it still works. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's steeped in the eighties, but like you said, in almost like a ridiculous kind of way mm -hmm. that you could even see people doing now to kind of steep some stuff in the eighties. I mean, look at like Grand Theft Auto Vice City mm -hmm. is so big because it's so eighties and it's from people who never really experienced that time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that other than the fact that they use regular phones and pay phones, and some people would be like, what the hell is that? <laughs> uh, I think it still works. Yeah. I think the story still works. The plot still works. There's nothing really, you know, what's funny anachronistic, but something like there's, timelessness. There's not it. a lot of stuff in the movie too, where we're like groaning, like we're like, Oh, the eighties, like, you know, like what secret of my success. Oh, where Brent, yeah. where we're, oh, where yeah. He was like creeping on her a little bit. Although Sandy has, the most Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor hair I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, but that's not, that's not, I'm saying groan inducing in terms of like a little bit inappropriate. But, uh, oh, you know, that right, kind yeah. of thing. It doesn't there's, have that. There's nothing like that in this. Yeah. It's just, yeah, exactly. You know, cause we were talking about like secret of my success. Like no he PC creeps on stuff. her. Like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, that was one of the things I like, it was just like, so I'm wondering if that would help it translate better. Oh, probably. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just, I don't know because a lot of times with these older films, you know, we talk about them. But like we, when we were first starting the podcast or when we were going to start the podcast, we would have conversations with people about 
Um, Have you seen this movie? And they would be like, what's that? What's that? And like, you know, I know it's just, I don't know. This is, I think this is one of the movies where I don't think, like, I don't think people are going to go back and watch this. I don't even think people older than me would be like, oh man, those people's on the day. I love that movie. Like no one's ever said that to me. I used to watch this all the time. I got you. I'm I'm saying we're a little bit (laughs) different. That's how I watch. We're a little different to watch films. Yeah. Um, you know, I started watching uh, the, the Otto Preminger movie Laura the other day. No one's gonna watch that. Like I'm watching it. So, <laughs> so yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a, just oh, sure, yeah. I mean, no one wants to go back to a movie. Well, then I guess why don't you lead into that? what's up? What's up? Go, go, go ahead. I was saying, well, why don't you lead us into why maybe you think it's forgotten? I think it's forgotten because it is an '80s film. It's so steeped in the '80s. Again, it's a touchstone movie as well, which I think. For some reason, the last few years just seem to be like, like we talk about it. Like Disney doesn't care about them. Well, that's the thing too. Like it's like um, every time when they bought Hulu or whenever they bought the controlling stake in Hulu, right? It was talked about how Disney Plus was going to have their PG thirteen content and lower, and all their other older adult stuff, maybe their harder PG thirteen and rated R stuff, was going to go to Hulu. Right. Well, where is it? Because there's a ton of movies out there that we could be watching right now. Uh, Ruthless People's on Showtime for some yeah, reason. It, it, Not, yeah, because they sold it to Showtime it's, it's for like the month. It's like thrown away, yeah. yeah. Like, 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 where is this content that we were promised? Because there's a lot of content that we're not getting. I don't get it. I, yeah. It's like, I, I think they like kind of hide their touchstone content. God forbid. No, we're not stupid. Yeah, so that's, <sighs> I think that's a big reason. Yeah. I think that Danny DeVito is known now for playing... Uh, obviously well younger audiences know DeVito from it's always always sunny, sunny. yeah absolutely and that's then, where they know him. if they're a little bit older maybe they Matilda. know him from Matilda yeah. or uh Batman Returns yeah they know yeah. him as the penguin I think he's had a long enough career where he's going to connect with all generations oh sure for different a, things yeah, yeah yeah absolutely but then like who's this is tax this is like taxi era DeVito almost this is like young DeVito yeah agreed um so I mean most people even my age probably don't know of him in this zone well this is this is also DeVito. I know you talked about how this is one of his movies, but he's also, I want to say he was in Romancing the Stone already. Oh, I'm not saying yeah, this is his first yeah, movie, but I'm yeah. saying it's when we're talking about like getting can't like quote unquote, like not like canceled today, but canceled for doing a bad movie. Oh, wow. He's still like a TV star who transitioned to movie. Bette yeah. Midler has like. Well, Bette Midler has a huge Broadway career. She can bomb a couple She can do movies. whatever she yeah. wants. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but deservedly so, because she's really good. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but I also think Bette Midler's star has faded in terms of uh, in terms of mean, anybody my age, so mid-30s to younger. I don't think faded. They're not looking for Bette Midler content, I don't think except that's, for maybe Hocus Pocus 2. I don't think it's a negative connotation that she's faded. She's oh, gotten no. older. She's, she's gotten older and she's stuff. done yeah. less stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That just happens to everybody. Well, you're going to watch Hocus Pocus too. Who are you kidding? I'm going to be forced to. I actually don't like Hocus Pocus. What? I love Bette Midler, but I don't like Hocus Pocus. It's okay. It's, yeah, I, I'm very mad about it. I really like when she just, when uh, Sarah Jessica Parker still doesn't muck a lot of times. That's about it. Come on, come on, come on. That's about the, that's about the, that's about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, not, ne- yeah. Needless to say, it's a kid's movie and they're killing a kid. They're trying to kill a kid because he's a virgin. So let's just put that out there. Yeah. All these kids. I'm just saying. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you're, so your two big leads are kind of forgotten. Yeah. I, Who's 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 watching Helen Slater stuff right now? I gotta get back and get into my Judge Reinhold face. Exactly, Judge Reinhold. It's like they're gonna go like, oh, I think he looks familiar, and they're gonna remember. They're gonna know he's from something, but not realize he's from the Santa Claus. And then that's all they're gonna. He got the kazoo from. from this. Is it the kazoo that he it's gets? The, the kazoo, kazoo yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barely goes. <laughs> uh, but you're I think- right. It doesn't have a lot of people that are big time. Maybe. Their their star is not as big now as it was yeah, back. Yeah, except then. for maybe Devito. But again, they want 
uh, Frank Reynolds, Frank Reynolds DeVito. DeVito. Disgusting. And you're not going to get Reynolds, that. I mean, yeah. this guy is disgusting, but in a completely different kind of way. Yeah. yeah. But he, I mean, he's got some great lines. I, I mean, I love when he's on the phone where he's tell, trying to talk to the cop about how to be a good businessman, you know, and never settle for less. As soon as you settle for less, you disgust me. It's disgusting. We'll go to $50,000. Oh, I hate you. You're disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like it when he's telling the story at the beginning and he's just like, I hate her. I hate the way she licks stamps. Like, she just like, like that's what <laughs> she <he> snores. <laughs> that's what he picks. That's what he picks. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can agree with what you're saying in terms of like why it doesn't really translate or connect. But I, feel, I, but I still I think, think it, it would translate to. and connect. Absolutely. I think it deserves to as well. I mean, organic, maybe I mean more organically rather than you saying, hey, you like comedies, watch Ruthless People. Well, I think, again, we talk about the end cap in video stores. Right. The recommendation kind of thing. Oh, this is like a employee recommendation. This is yeah. absolutely like an employee recommendation kind of a thing. This deserves to be like on, you know, the wheel where you go top comedies or mm -hmm. like Netflix has, you scroll down and they have the really weird genres. Mm -hmm. Why isn't this on their 80s comedy kind of thing? I mean, oh, because the Netflix algorithm is, the, hold on. The, first of all, the algorithm is ridiculous for any of them because I like, I want to watch something and I can't even get to it. So you, well, I understand yeah, I that, but like this deserves to be one of those, like I obviously Fast Times at Ridgemont High and stuff are well-known comedy but this is also a well-known comedy movie that did a ton right. of business so i know nobody who is any kind of importance in uh meta or metaverse or is not going to hear this but i'm gonna say this right now so when we all do go virtual which i was having a conversation with my teenage daughter going this is where we're headed like 46 year old <laughs> me is telling my 15 year old daughter this is where we're going and she's like mm, i go we're going ver this is what's happening so when we do go virtual and we have to slap on our glasses like we're in ready player one to attend school I'm ready for that's it. fine what I want is I want Netflix or somebody to become an online a video store. I want it to be I'm walking through the doors of an old blockbuster <laughs> and I'm checking I'm, and I'm and I'm walking the aisles looking at the end caps and employee think that's what I want. You know what I'm picturing now? A forgotten cinema commercial. We're in a white room and we're wearing black trench coats and sunglasses. And we, we oh, that's we what I want together. Too. We go. What do we need? Movies, if, lots of movies, if, <laughs> just aisles. Well, of if you don't think us. I want to, if you don't think I want to jack into the Matrix, you got nothing coming. <laughs> Absolutely, movies. But but lots. but that's what I want. I don't want. I don't want what I have to get, what I have to do and be sucker to the algorithm, whatever they show me. I want to be right. able to walk in and walk around virtually and pick the movies that I want. You do that, and you will definitely get all the people like me and all the people that are older and a little that remember a time of analog. We will absolutely jump into that oh, because man. that would get be my better. virtual v VHS. <laughs> Dude, we would we would be able to walk in together, connected, pick a movie, and then we'd all sit down on our own couches and just watch it through our goggles. That's what oh, would happen, cool. Butler. Walk into my own virtual giant movie theater. Yes. Look up at a screen bigger Absol than the IMAX. There you go. <laughs> I think we've discovered this is what's going to happen. So this that's what should happen. That's what I want. I know we're never going to go back to video stores, but like, can we do it virtually at least so that I can pick what I want? And this episode has gone off. <laughs> <laughs> Where can they find us? <laughs> <laughs> you can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. While you're there, check out all the other great shows from Forgotten Entertainment. You can also find us on Amazon, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, maybe one day the Metaverse, uh, and give us a rating, a review, subscribe while you're there. That'd be awesome. Join us in the lobby on Forgotten Cinemas page on Facebook. Let us know if you've seen Ruthless People, what you think about it. I'm interested to see how many of our like kind of more hardcore like film fans that usually talk to us like this they movie usually talk to you know a lot of people like to talk to us yeah <laughs> 
Uh, I, I think we'll get some response from doing ruthless people. We have, even for like hardcore film guys, they might be like, "This is a forgotten." Yeah, I I'm interested that. to see how many of those people like try to come out yeah. and work for this. Uh, I, I always love when people come at us with what's forgotten. That's great. I'm glad you're listening, but, but you know, you don't need to be so aggressive. I will say, <laughs> I didn't know you had never seen this movie all the way through, right. and I'm glad you seem to enjoy it. Yeah, for one of my choices. Oh, stop! You really, you really like you. I get like, like I get like one. You have like a, I get like one. Uh, one a season where it's like I pick. Do you have like a chalkboard like, at your house where you just notch field like it? I don't. Like, I don't have enough of those. Uh, films to notch a bunch of notches. You have, you have some self esteem issues you need to work on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Join us next week as we are. We're actually going to see uh, what I called one time the poor man's Ocean's Eleven, which, but it's good, <laughs> is Logan Lucky from 2017. Um, I, I, there's enough, uh, what's funny about this is I've told people to see Logan Lucky. Oh, I never caught that. It's like, it's really good. And I like you know, Logan Lucky it's, a lot. It's, I don't know why you haven't seen it. I'm going to try to get at least to watch this one. Right it's, a, it's, it's, it's good. It's got uh, Adam Driver, Channing Tatum. Who else am I forgetting? Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. That's right. Daniel Craig. So there you go. We're watching James Bond's Logan Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's next week on the show. Uh, until then, have a good week. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Ruthless people. Mm. Do, do, do. I don't know the rest. Do I look stupid to you? <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs>